0: story this morning comes to us from the book of Exodus. And if you're not familiar with the book of Exodus, it begins and ends with a central figure who is Moses. And this morning, we're reading a portion that's going to introduce the birth of Moses, but before that comes a really important shift in the story. You see, the Israelites had migrated to Egypt. They were hungry, and there was famine in their land. And so essentially, they were refugees in search of food and a place to live where they could thrive. And they had done this, but our opening verse this morning is one, whenever we hear it in scripture stories where we need to go, "Uh uh-oh, something's going to change. And while change itself is not necessarily something that is to be concerned about, in this story you'll see that a change in leadership can be to the detriment of people who are vulnerable. So let's listen to this story and also remember the story that our country and our world is living through now. Now a new king arose over Egypt, who did not know Joseph. He said to his people, Look, the Israelite people are more numerous and more powerful than we. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, or they will increase and, in the event of war, join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore they set taskmasters over them to oppress them with forced labor. They built supply cities for Pharaoh. But the more the Israelites were oppressed, the more they multiplied and spread, so that the Egyptians came to dread the Israelites. The Egyptians became ruthless in imposing tasks on the Israelites and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in every kind of field labor. They were ruthless in all the tasks that they imposed on them. The king of Egypt said to, Hebrew, said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shiphrah and the other Puah, When you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, God gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile,
1: but you shall let every girl live. Our story continues, then, with another act of resistance. Now, a man from the house of Levi went and married a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine baby, she hid him for three months. When she could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him, and she plastered it with pitch. She put the child in it and she placed it among the reeds on the bank of a river. His sister stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. The daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her attendants walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and she sent her maid to bring it. When she opened it, she saw the child. He was crying, and she took pity on him. This must be one of the Hebrews' children, she said. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and get you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Yes. And so the girl went and called the child's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child and nurse it for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed it. When the child grew up, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and she took him as her son. She named him Moses, because, she said, I drew him out of the water. May this be a word of wisdom for us today.
2: Hi, I'm Taylor Dabney. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. (laughs) A woman walks to a river and finds a baby floating in a basket down the river. She does what she can and draws the baby out of the water. And if there were many more babies floating down the river, she may have organized a great many people to bring babies out of the river to save them from drowning. If there were a nearly continuous flow of babies, perhaps one of the women helping would stop to think, now where are all of these babies coming from? When there is continuing oppression, we are tasked not only with taking care of the one baby we see floating down the river. We are tasked with addressing the source of the problem too. In this story from the book of Exodus, both the source of this problem and the one baby floating down the river are addressed by women. The midwives, Shifra and Puah refuse to be complicit in what Pharaoh says, but they do so in a subtle way, in the way that they can. Open defiance of the Pharaoh is not a recipe for success. However, they defy Pharaoh in a way that stings. They tell Pharaoh that Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women, and that they are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. Shifra and Pua tell Pharaoh that the Hebrews that they are oppressing are greater than the Egyptians and Pharaoh cannot deny it because childbirth is women's work and Pharaoh is not a woman. Even in their relatively subtle defiance, Shifra and Pua have metaphorically slapped Pharaoh across the face and lived to tell the tale. God gives them families, the text tells us, because they feared God. The fear of God and valuing of life more than the orders that they were given by Pharaoh is what led to their need for defiance and to their act of bravery. Throughout this whole passage, it is the women who are given the most agency, and the men are largely passive, or actively oppressing the Hebrew people. The slave masters subject the Hebrew people to harsh labor, working them ruthlessly. Pharaoh orders a harsh edict of throwing all the Hebrew boys into the Nile, but letting the girls live. Moses is passively subjected to the forces of the women acting on him and his life. Pharaoh has clearly made a horrible misjudgment, thinking that women are less of a threat to his reign than the men. His own daughter helps in saving Moses from simply floating down the Nile and dying of hunger or thirst. Moses' sister asks Pharaoh's daughter if she should go get a wet nurse from the Hebrew people to nurse the baby for her. And then when she says, yes, she should, goes and gets Moses' mother. Pharaoh's daughter pays Moses' mother to feed the child that she'd been keeping hidden for months the son that lives in defiance of Pharaoh's edict. Our peacemaker for this Sunday tells of some of the power of women through her story. Rigoberta Manchu Tum is a Guatemalan activist who was born January 9th, 1959. She is still alive today. She comes from the Quiché tribe, an indigenous people of Guatemala that was subjected to harsh treatment from the Spanish. She learned Spanish and writes and speaks in Spanish in most of her work, using the language of the culture which presses her people in order to fight it and to help us understand her own world. Her family had always been poor and they founded a village up in the mountains called called Chimel. Rigoberta Menchu was born in this village. Her parents founded the village when they were thrown out of the small house that they had in town over their debts. From an excerpt of an English translation of her autobiography, I, Rigoberta Menchu*, which was written in 1984, she writes, my parents spent everything they earned and they incurred so many debts with these people that they had to leave the house to pay them. The rich are always like that. When people owe them money, they take a bit of land or some of their belongings and slowly end up with everything. That's what happened to my parents. This is related to what's been going on with Pharaoh in this passage from Exodus. Because see, in Pharaoh's story, the people became so numerous that Pharaoh became concerned and started oppressing them. And in her experience, Rigoberta Manchu shares about her parents and her family and how throughout their experience, they were frequently oppressed in many ways because of their own numerousness, because of the ways that they, their existence threatened the way that the landowners wanted things to be. It is no small task to go up the river to find out who is throwing babies into it. It would be so much easier to simply draw out each of the babies that we find within it. But if we don't address the source of the problem, we will be forever standing vigilant for the babies that float down the river. In Rigoberta Manchu's story, they are forced to reckon with the source because the landowners come to take away the land that their village was founded upon now that it was yielding good harvests after nearly eight years of cultivation. The government and the landowners worked together, measuring and remeasuring measuring the land that Rigoberta Menchu and her family lived on, temporarily throwing them out of their homes, throwing out their precious items, and killing their animals and dogs because they still refused to give up their land. Sometime later, Rigoberta Menchu's little brother was kidnapped. And the women and children of her village went into town to occupy the Guatemalan Congress on Guatemalan National Day. They knew that if the men went with them, the men would be kidnapped and tortured. By the time the deputies realized that the Congress was going to be occupied by them, it was already too late to get them out. And the women and children went here knowing that they could indeed be massacred on this day and they still went anyway to express their disgust. The soldiers then entered the Congress and raised their rifles. Rigoberta Menchu's eldest brother was the head of the demonstration. And when he began to speak, the soldiers leveled their rifles at him. But then Rigoberta Menchu's little sister took her little white flower and stood between the rifle and her brother. And the soldiers did not dare to shoot her brother then. Unfortunately, this did not stop the soldiers oppression of her people. They chose instead to set fire to her eldest brother. The soldiers still went forward and they murdered her mother. They murdered her father for the way that they were organizing the people against them. This is far from the end of her story. Most of the stories that I have been drawing from is an autobiography that she has written in her early 20s. She has, through her activism since then, gotten the ex-president of Guatemala tried for genocide in Spain, and she continues to campaign for human rights. She has used and continues to use the biblical stories to learn what methods can be used to fight against oppressors. And she continues to speak out, speaking truth to power, speaking to the sources that continue to throw the vulnerable into the river to drown. May we follow her example, not stopping our work simply when we have saved the one that we can save right now, but continuing. The that soldiers still went forward and they murdered in all of her name. They murdered her father for Amen. the way that they were organizing the people against them. This is far from the end of her story. Most of the stories that I have been drawing from is an autobiography that she has written in her early 20s. And she continues to campaign for human rights. She has used and continues to use the biblical stories to learn what methods can be used to fight against oppressors. And she continues to speak out, speaking truth to power, speaking to the sources that continue to throw the vulnerable into the river to drown. May we follow her example, not stopping our work simply when we have saved the one that we can save right now, but continuing on until we have addressed the sources of our problems, the ones that are throwing the vulnerable into the river to drown, not stopping until we co-create with God, the kingdom of God on earth among us so that the vulnerable may never be thrown in again. Please join me in a moment of prayer, if you will. Beloved God, you have made us in your image. You have breathed your breath of life into us and you have created everything on this earth and everything in this universe with some part of yourself. May we know that each one of us carries this divine image within us. May each one of us know that we are called to have power with each other. We're not to subject each other. We are meant to love one another and to care for each other. May the time come when the vulnerable are no longer thrown in the river, but may the time come when the strong instead are taking care of them Are making sure that the vulnerable are never thrown in again. God, we are here paying attention to you. May we all know how deeply each one of us is loved, and may we show that love to each other. In all of your holy names we pray. Amen.